he talked about how Charlie Munger gave him like upwards of three pieces of practical advice that changed his life forever and are the reason why he's as wealthy as he is. And this was one of the pieces of advice. This was one of them. And what he said happened was he's the following ideas the expressed opinions of the hosts and guests and do not reflect investment advice or recommendations of any kind all funny jokes or just jokes so don't get it twisted we are back live in the studio studio being our super amazing <laughs> at home design hey if my first million does it. Why can't we? You know, you had some mics, you had some cameras, great lighting. A good chair would help. A good chair would help. A nice leather chair, like a reading chair. That's the next move. Yeah. That's the armchair expert. What's his name? Dax Shepard. He like has a really nice chair and they did everything in some room in his house and they film it all and they record and who knows. But like that dude that. has millions of dollars his movies and his wife's movies more importantly that here's <laughs> why i don't even know who you're talking about dude kristen bell we're gonna spend the whole episode talking about celebrities kristen That's bell the cool. chick from frozen yeah yeah wait is she from frozen wait is kristen bell not the chick from twilight uh is it twilight the vampire movies no that's kristen stewart oh dang dude yeah i don't know i got nothing yeah kristen bell's the what else does she in? We've seen... Give me something not animated. I know, I know. <laughs> it's kind of hard. Uh, oh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Okay, yeah. That movie. Yeah. Like the Blonde. Oh, okay. Got it. I know exactly what you're talking about. Dude, Forgetting yeah. Sarah Marshall is the obvious way better than Frozen. It's a good movie. I dig that movie. Sorry. I had no idea. I mean, I can. she probably made more money on Frozen, but they're both movies that she was at. Very cool. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. But that armchair expert. Oh, armchair. Armchair. Yeah. So her husband's armchair guy. Man, do not discount the quality of a good chair. That's that's all I gotta say here. And that's a that's a investment. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about that. Investing in your uh chairs. Just kidding. It's more in fact, this is an episode catered to investing in your own business. So I've got two examples for you today. Um the first example. I love so much more than the second example, but there's this guy that I was on the phone with and he's 17 years old and he works two jobs. One job being a car detailing walk service. And the next job is his own landscaping business. And he's amazing. I just, I love him so much, but I work with his parents, um, financial advising. And then they said, Hey, you got to talk to our son. He's super interested in investing, saving. And I thought, okay, sure. In 17, let's see what happens. YOLO calls in Tesla. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, I have a ton of accounts and money teams. So I just don't tell. No, he, um, was asking about how to set up accounts and different questions about companies. But what blew me away was his work ethic and his desire to actually learn about saving and investing. And this kid is one of a kind. I, he is going to be a multi, multi millionaire one like day. For sure. 29 year old millionaire. That's what you want to see. Uh, he is, he's got it going. So here's what he does he goes to that detailing car service job 
and then he gets home at about 6 p.m right he's 17 years old so it's the middle of the summer and he's in south texas so it's 120 degrees so he gets back home at six and then it's finally cool enough to start mowing lawns at 6 30. so he sits in his house for 30 minutes and he's like okay time to go do my landscaping business and he has all of his landscaping uh, appointments set up for the rest of the day and then he does that with a buddy that he employs and he's like hey i'm making good money doing this like i just need to figure out like how to save and invest and do you have any tips on like how to even grow this business so i'm riffed with him for so long on like hey have you seen you know these marketing strategies oh there's this cool tiktok guy that gets a super powered lawnmower weed eater finds people with terrible yards puts his phone on a stand and then films yeah. himself like it it. why are those that videos time. so interesting and why why are those so interesting to watch i've seen that video i know exactly the yeah. guy i'm talking about and i watch for some reason i'm like why am i watching this dude mow a yard uh, because yeah. he puts it together well so he actually he probably does spend a good amount of time editing and doing other stuff but he just created a great way for just a time lapse and you're seeing something completed like you're seeing nice edges and clean yards come from something that was destructive in the matter of like second and that is i don't know you know rewarding or attractive for viewers but that dude he i think there are multiple guys like that on tiktok but one guy in particular has three four million followers and it's just videos of him weed eating or you know edging mowing yards and i said hey stuff like that will actually work and he the kid I was talking to said, that's what I'm actually pouring into. I just made my first video. I didn't really know how to launch it, but, uh, I, I'll, you know, invest in my business. Quote unquote, that's the whole point of today's episode. Get a little camera stand, can put my phone in it, do the same thing, go knock on doors and then see if anyone allows me to mow their lawn for free as long as I could film it. So I, I thought, do it. It's easily replicable. And then you can push it with these methods and growth hacks, blah, blah, blah. But I love that guy. Super smart. And then I had this call with another guy who runs a very big company. And he was giving me honestly just the runaround of I'm so successful. I do this. Here's what I do with my money. And it just wasn't, it wasn't great. Like I would so much rather talk to the kid who had nothing. It was just really humble, more open to talking about a bunch of different things than the business owner who was doing really, really well, but then complaining about, yeah, I'm hitting like roadblocks here, here, and here with my business. I thought, okay, there's an obvious difference between the two, but if I were to put my money somewhere, it's with this 17 year old company that I can tell is going to work is asshole. It was awesome. No, that's awesome. That's great. Love to see that dude. There's a lot of kids like that. They're coming up big. These kids that come up on TikTok and Twitter, hustle, TikTok and hustle, Twitter. They're, they're not playing around. Yeah. That type of persona will never go anywhere. The type of persona that loves to listen to MFN, right? I'm even probably in the same category. The person who's like, I really love to work and I want, you know, health, wealth, success. I'm going to go do it. I'll be the hospital air, blah, blah, blah. Um, obviously 
there are some in the same crowd that it's like get rich quick. I don't think I'm into that. Um, but it's kind of the same color. It's like two different shades of blue, whatever. It's still the blue. Only, the only way to tell the difference is when somebody says, oh, yeah, I just work really hard because I want to retire by 30 and not have to work anymore. And you're like, yeah, it's probably not. You're, you're close. You're probably not it. Yep. Yeah. Hey, like that's that's a great idea. I don't think Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg said that. No, heck no. Good luck. Braden doesn't say that either. And look at him. He's just he's just really crushing. <laughs> yeah. Put me up there with those. Um, yeah. No, but there there's that quality or persona, I would say, that kids that are seven, eight years old right now, there's gonna be a huge percentage of them that when they hit eighteen to twenty two, they're also gonna be about the same thing. Like, I just wanna get it. I'm gonna hustle. Um, so I think people creating content and you know, businesses, media, you name it, directly for that, are just going to clean up because there's always attention there. People yeah. always want to figure out like, how do I how to how to be better, how to post yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm honestly interested, and I've listened to. I know we're talking a lot about podcasts on this podcast, but like Andrew Huberman and a ton of others that are about health. I want someone who's very dedicated to, Hey, here's how you, you know, grow your own business. Here's how you also, you know, succeed physically with exercise, health, diet, etc. And then here's how you also grow wealth. And they're not stupid Dave Ramsey strategies or random cookie cutter, whatever, but it's, Hey, here's how you can play the investment game. There's commercial real estate, there's stocks, there's, you know, private equity, VC, startups, like there's tons of different avenues. Someone who's just honest about all of that. And then the other two as well. If I found somebody who can check off all three boxes, I think I would just consume all that content, but that's just me. Maybe, maybe I can do it. Maybe I just need four hundred dollars in the bank. At yeah. least that's it, right? <laughs> at least you know how to like, at least you know all the different ways to grow well. You know, like at the very least you have that side down. Uh, yeah, more relatively. You're no, you're no Hormozy or Huberman. So, you know, maybe just work out more. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, freaking. Yeah, that guy, Alex Hormozy. I don't know. There's a lot he says that I don't like. There are some things that he says that I'm, okay. Yeah, you're smart. Like that's a really good strategy. Um, but the dude is built like a tank. I know. So. I would listen to that dude on how to, if you want to know how to run and scale a gym, that's a dude. Yes. Like, why do no, you want to know how to run and scale any type of in-person business with cheap Facebook marketing ads? Go find everything that that dude has written. Yeah. He actually, I think, I want to say he wrote a book that I wrote down somewhere that's, no, 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 not the hundred million dollar author one. Like he won he wrote one like eight years ago, specifically just about gyms. Hmm. Like, hey, here's every marketing strategy I did for gyms. And then he realized, why did I write a book about this? I should just create the service. And that's where he made gym launch or whatever the company was. Yeah. But smart dude. Very smart dude. Yeah. And now he's bored everything in his concept. 
I don't like I don't like calling people smart dudes anymore because people confuse smart dude with like, oh, he can do physics equations on a board with, oh, he's really practical and just like, oh, you're right, solve easy problems. So I just say very practical dude, right? If no, I don't know, not, not smart problem. dude. Let me say, let me say successful dude, very successful. No, dude. It's a it's a better compliment coming from me, so that you know this moving forward when I talk about people. If I say they're very practical, way better compliment than they're smart. Or anything like that. Oh, for sure. I get it. <laughs> Be like, wow. Brandon said you're practical. <laughs> hey, you want to know my favorite trick that I did with a client recently? This is a practical right. trick that I've told you before. Charlie Munger trick. I've watched it happen in practice. I'm so proud of him. He uh, he had a little bit of pushback, but he went and did it. So there's a guy I consult for. Um, and he needed to hire an SEO person. Okay. So SEO person talks to him, really? numbers, everything. SEO person says, yeah, man, I'll work for you. It's going to be 800 bucks a month, right? He comes back to me and he says, and he's got money to spend. It's not a big deal to him. He's like, yeah, it's going to be 800 bucks a month. And I go, no, 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 no. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to get a list of 10 SEO guys. And you're going to call up the first guy and say, hey, man, I know your price is over this. I know your services deserve more, but all I have to spend is $200 a month on SEO. Would you do that for me? If not, here's this other guy I'm going to call and I'm going to call him and ask the same thing. And I have this list of 10 under him. And if nobody wants to do it at 200, I'll call you back and we'll talk about doing it at 300. You know what happened? He got SEO for 200 bucks a month. From that guy, he initially told yes. from the Yes. Yes. From the guy that told him eight hundred a month, called him, told him that exact thing, and got it for two hundred. That is like so. Do you feel that's practical, right? You don't have to be smart; just be practical. Just, just be, be practical. You know, um, it's moves like that that fire me up, dude. And yeah, he's saving four hundred bucks or six hundred bucks a month or whatever. But oh man, I was just like, yes, yes, that's genius. Um. Yeah, you should just be a professional negotiator for people and then take a cut of what you save them. Oh, they give you this much? Cool. If I trim down that amount that you would spend per month, 20 grand to 10 grand, I get 20% of the savings. Are you familiar with where that where that strategy came from? Have we talked about this on the pod before with Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger? How Warren Buffett? No. No, but I need you to tell me because this podcast is specifically about investments and here we are. So here's how it came. Here's how it came about. Charlie Munger. So Warren Buffett at his annual meeting, he talked about how Charlie Munger gave him like upwards of three pieces of practical advice that changed his life forever and are the reason why he's as wealthy as he is. And this was one of the pieces of advice. This was one of them. And what he said happened was he said that Berkshire Hathaway was trying to acquire another company that Warren Buffett had ownership in. Okay. So he's owner of one company, he's owner of the other company. There's a conflict of interest. And so what the regulators did was they said, hey, you can't buy this without getting an external validation of, of the value, right? You got to have some sort of consultant say that it's really worth the value that you're buying it for and you're not enriching yourself, right? He was pissed off. He was like, I'm not going to screw people over like that. Like, this is stupid, but whatever. If you're going to make me do this, I'll do this. Um, and so at the time, you know, it's $10,000 for evaluation. Um, and he's pissed off that he has to go spend 10 grand. Yeah. So he calls up Charlie and Charlie tells him this exact advice. He says, listen, get a list of 10 M&A advisors 
that can do this and call them up and say, look, I know that you have a very valuable business and that you value your time. I know that it costs around $10,000 to do this kind of work. And I understand that this work is validated for that, but I don't have that kind of money to spend. Here's my situation. I'll pay you $2,000. If that's not something you want to do, I'll call this next guy on the list. And it's even better if they know who the next guy on the list is, right? If like they know the competition, I'll call the next guy on the list. I'm going to offer him the same thing, go on the list and go. And lo and behold, he gets the low price he asked for, right? Wow. Um, and so that's, that's just, it's just such a good way to do business that people don't think about. They don't do. They just listen to a price and they go, okay, yeah, that's fair. I'll do that. Yeah. So, absolutely. I have a, a follow-up to it and it's not as probably the same steps as what you just described as what Munger said. That's pretty good. I do want to know the other two pieces of advice that they went through, Ian Warren Buffett, but this follow-up story is a kind of tough, sad story. A family friend who was in a car accident in Dallas and she had two boys in the back seat and they were stopped on an exit ramp trying to get off the highway and a truck hit them going very fast. And it was a company truck. And terrible type of kind of happened circumstance and we'll go into detail but they're okay and one of the sons really kind of got injured and he's progressing really well um we think so anyway the kind of circumstances led to okay a lot of ambulance chaser personal injury attorneys reached oh, out it. yeah out. and they know it's a company truck they know it they call it like a, oh, we'll work on this, work on that. And, um, you know, the son that kind of has the injuries, lots of different things, but, um, they decided on the attorney by asking every other attorney, okay, if we chose you, who would you hate to go up against? And they all kind of mentioned, you know, a couple of names, but the same name kept, kept popping up. It was more in terms of like finding that direct competition. And then understanding that the price, even if they were the highest or the lowest or whatever, would make sense. Yeah. That person they ended up going with actually was like middle of the road, you know, percentage wise of whatever with one by the court. Yeah. And I thought that was such a really smart strategy too. To be able to be like, yeah, how's your competitors? Yeah. Yeah. Which is a similar strategy I've heard VCs do. When yep. they're about to invest in a company. And obviously you know you're most scared of. Exactly. And then they say something. And if if you're smart VC, you're asking that question to other startups. And then you know they know their competition better yep. than you could spend weeks or hire an analyst to even dive into that specific niche or software as a service company, whatever. They keep saying the same company. Cancel all meetings with everyone else and go find that, oh, that one. <laughs> Put money into that. Right. Yeah. Why not? Yep. No, that that is another piece of practical advice. I think it's different than the first piece of advice, but it is a second. That is a second tool that everybody should be using for all kinds of things, um, and they don't. And that is you. Yep. That's another one. You want to know a third one? This is another one of the pieces of advice. So 
Warren gave two of the three during the meeting. Um, I don't know what the third one is, but I do have the second one. I think you'll appreciate this one. Please. So Charlie Munger's running a business and he's getting absolutely smoked by an employee who is in a way stealing from the business, but in a way that is by insurance. Okay. Yeah. So guy steals two grand, basically call it two grand back in the day, a lot of money, I guess. I mean, not, not like a crazy amount enough that like, it wasn't nuts. Okay. So Charlie Munger, right. Realizes it fires. The guy draws up an insurance claim for $2,000 insurance. Come back, comes back and denies the claim. Charlie Munger, Charlie Munger is a little bit pissed off and he, he has this thing that he says, he says, raise the stakes and he goes, okay, I'm so sure that this is covered under my policy. Here's the term that it's covered under. Let's do this. I'm going to take you to court and sue you for $200,000 or you can pay my $2,000 claim. You know what happened? They send him a check for two grand. Wow. That's it. You know, like, like raise the stakes, you know, like if you're right, raise the stakes and you'll get what you want. But what if you're not right and you're, <laughs> you're going to sue someone who like thrives on yeah. arguments and confrontation. Right? That is where Charlie had a little bit of an advantage because he was an attorney. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, if you're right, you're right at the end of the day. And so, yeah. That, it's just an idea of raise the stakes, you know? Like if somebody's joshing you or dealing with you or messing with you or whatever over a certain amount of money, just 100 exit and be like, I'll just sue you for this much and we'll see, you know? it's, uh, it's pretty become good. A, you become a thorn in their butt over something that's really tiny. That is pretty interesting. Um, I, I want to say that there's like a million ways to go about that, but him being an attorney, having a leg up or the advantage, it's like, yeah, Aquaman just challenged you to a fight, but it has to be in the water. So, <laughs> good luck. What are you going to do? That's exactly right. Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, I have a story that I want to tell you. Yeah. And it's a really important story to me because it's real near and dear to my heart. And, you know, there's, there's this awakening, call it, this eye-opening moment. In every entrepreneur or investor's life, I think. And for me, that was listening to a certain podcast and hearing, you know, the story of this guy named Joe Gebbia. So I'm going to tie this in in a very weird way. Joe Gebbia just made a huge amount on his investment, probably 25 to 50% in the San Antonio Spurs, the basketball team. Wait. Let me kind of break it down for you. And I'll tell you why and what happened over the last month. So the backstory, and then we'll get more back backstory. San Antonio Spurs won the number one pick in this latest NBA draft. Reason that's such a freaking big deal, and it's my favorite team. I love them until I'm wearing their shirt right now. The reason it's such a big deal is the guy they drafted, this 7-4 phenom out of France, is supposedly the best prospect, draft prospect since LeBron James, who has multiple titles and considered the GOAT greatest of all time. So that's amazing. 
but who could have seen this type of transition happen after the Spurs with such a storied history, multiple championships, but really bad team for the last three years. So just like a stock, you know, you got a team winning lots of championships, their stock's going on the up versus the team that doesn't make the playoffs and they stink, blah, blah, blah. You want to buy below. So Joe Gebbia buys a stake in the team in early 2022, which is awesome. Good for him. But his love for the game came from when he was a ball boy for the Atlanta Hawks. So this podcast I listened to referenced all of that. And then he releases, you know, notes and Instagrams or whatever, kind of giving his whole story. But he buys a part of the team because he's always wanted to be a part of the NBA. And then more importantly, when he was a ball boy in high school and then he goes off to college, he started the intramural basketball league and that team at RISD, RISD, the Rhode Island School of Design or something. For some reason, I know RISD. I don't know why, but I do know RISD. I've heard of it. That's weird. The uh, famous little, yeah, school. People kind of love it. I don't know. But the name rolls off the tongue. Anyway, he meets a oh, guy. Hold on. It's because that's where the Airbnb guy went. Yeah, I just said that. Oh. Yeah. I that. <laughs> missed that. Yes, RISD. Got it. No, Joe Gabbia goes to RISD, and he meets uh, Brian Chesky, his co-founder, for Airbnb at RISD. Only because they he created this basketball intramural league. So not only am I saying basketball has become a massive success investment for him, I will say that his best investment of all time is Airbnb. But he only got to Airbnb because he started that league. And then they met. And then they go to San Francisco together. They start this little company called Airbed and Breakfast. Turns into this thing called Airbnb that IPOs in December of 2020. And then from there, they get massive payoffs from that RPO, which is good. Do tons of investments with them. One of which was, like I said, January 2022, Joe puts a good amount of money undisclosed into the San Antonio Spurs. And then the Spurs draft the number one draft pick this year, 2023. And his stake probably jumped 25 to 50% in return, which is amazing. And nobody's talking about it. And I, I think that's just such a cool story. That is. You think it's, you know, it's hard. You think luck plays a role in there. But really what it comes down to is like, I think where entrepreneurs see the most success and where other entrepreneurs fail the most is as an entrepreneur, the easiest thing to do is to sit in a room alone and pretend like you're making progress on your business. Community matters more than anything else what changed his life forever was being like i want a community of people who like basketball here and and making it happen right like that will do more for you than he could have just sat in a room and like i don't know day day uh what do they do um uh daily bets on DraftKings or something right and like <laughs> and like that kind of guy right that got his basketball yeah. just right. played you know 2k on your you know, PlayStation or Xbox, right? But it's definitely in the world. And I think what blocks people from wealth more than anything else is the mindset of, I'm really smart. I don't need to have friends. I can solve problems at home by myself better rather than I'm just going to get out and meet people. That's a big difference. That changes lives. Yeah. 
So I'm a big fan of his. I love their Airbnb. Obviously, he and Brian were designers and Adrian did something specific, but that's a huge reason Airbnb did take off was the design was just better than every other competitor, right? They were the ones at uh, for other companies when they're being asked by VCs, who are you scared of? Like, who's doing the best right now in, you know, vacation rentals? At, in homes and rooms and stuff. I bet you Airbnb was mentioned. Yeah. And then they, yeah, they got lucky. They got into YC and they had tons of advice and a lot of money, but they were scrappy as hell and it made it happen. Well, think about the business story. Like, think about what's so cool about the business too, which is, and I, I, I feel like I've maybe read about their story before, but I haven't gone deep into it. Um, but even the business brings people back into community. Right when it first started, it wasn't, an empty house you were going into it was somebody else's house, right? That, that like they were probably there at the same time. Um, I just yeah. think it's very cool. Like, like a lot of people forget that successful things tend to bring community, like tend to bring people together in some way, shape, or form. So, it's that's an all around awesome story. Now, let's not let's not get silly here. The picking up Spurs ownership right before picking up Wimbiyama absolute luck that is just through and through luck but absolute luck <laughs> keep keep going though i i will ask you this i mean the spurs yes have been a terrible team for the last couple or a few years but they did have lots of really great success from you know 97 through 2016 let's call it right so for 20 years they were super dominant multiple championships but then they go down right so if you're a guy who loves basketball, watches it, and then realizes, oh, this stock fell, but they have the front office, the GM, the owner, all these other things and resources that can make it really successful if they were to just get right back on track. Yes, it is luck. They got the number one draft pick and he could be the future who knows. But compared to other choices, other stocks or these NBA teams, it was smarter, I would say, and better timing. So, oh, like, okay. I mean, there's so right. You look at it's smarter in hindsight, right? In 1996, if you did the same yeah. thing with Dallas Cowboys, you would still be where you are. You know, like I mean, just won three Super Bowls. They were crushing it. They were on the up and up, and then sure. where they go? You know, like yeah. Uh, I think that it easily could have gone a different dir- well it still could go a different direction right Wimbiyama you saw his shoot around video dude can't dude can't hit a bucket in front of a camera to save his life okay alright you know what <laughs> don't don't give me that let me show you send you multiple tapes of him okay okay just no I'm just giving you I'm just so giving you France but really he, I'm so bad right he could be he could be he, dude he could be a Chet Holmgren right OKC gets Chet and pulls us nice. in summer in summer training or whatever, right? And and is out. You know, like don't you dare say that. that. But he does look. But he does look good. Um, it looks smart right now. I guess that's all I'm saying. Yeah. I'm lucky right now. But I think at the end of the day, if it works out for him, all up, all. But here's what you got to do, right? You got to be able to put yourself in those positions to get that luck. You know, like he had to work to put himself in a position to even be able to play that game. Um. So good for him. 
go for him. No, no, I'm glad. I'm glad he did it. I, I hope it turns into something that just really takes off. Um, but that's because I'm biased and I want the Spurs to be successful. And who knows? Who actually, right? Me too. I love Popovich, and I'm kind of. Uh, I'm a. I'm an orphan team right now. I was a big OKC guy, right, when I was at OU, and and now I'm. Mm, yeah. Where do I go? What do I do? If somebody close to me could be good. Dude, I, I think you need to pour the gasoline back on OKC. Like, Danny, hi, dude. I really might. Lou Jordan, SGA, like, they could go. They've got it. You should you should buy part of the team. You should it's have your company to buy. IPO. This is the time to buy. <laughs> yeah. And if they get, you know, the number one draft pick, whatever. But, yeah, so it was luck that it played out, that it was Victor Wimnyama's first pickup. And he's this, like, the reason it's, like, a, such a valuation of the team in Preser, if that's even a word, he just adds his global appeal, and every media outlet wants to do something with him because they're looking at the analytics already, and they're like, this dude, we just post a picture or a video of him. People are clicking left and right to view him, which then makes the team get more eyes on them, and they'll get more games on national TV, and if they become successful, win the championship, or, you know, do well, then it's just going to, like, keep going. It's franchise. It's franchise exposure. That's it. Yeah. TNT is going to show more of their games just because people are interested in watching him. That's true. That's and, I, you know, I think it's, there's something there, but my hope is he can, like, take off with it. But we'll see. And that's real. I mean, and that's why, dude, that's why I really fell out on OKC was because all of a sudden I couldn't watch any of their games, right? Russ really? leaves, Russ leaves, everybody leaves. Now, how often do you see OKC playing on TNT? Not often, right? Fox Sports Oklahoma is the only thing that you can get them on. You know, that's that's how you determine the franchise value is who's who's playing on TNT, right? Yeah. See, they want to see Brian Brown. They want to see Steph. They want to see KD. Which is bad. Like, it's kind of the, the liquid way. And the Dallas Cowboys have this, too. The Dallas they Cowboys do. are just, they do. they're a brand, yeah, and that multiple... People multiple. like to watch for some reason. Yeah, yes. they, they get the prime time on... All right, I can't watch even the New, New England Patriots, dude, here in Texas. I can't see the New England Patriots. New England Patriots. They're hardly on TV. But yeah. if you go to the Northeast, I, I every time I've been in the Northeast and the Cowboys game's been on, you get it. Yeah. It's just more, yeah, it's a bigger brand. And that, I think they're the most valued NFL franchise. But yeah, so it's like, it, it's an investment and it will grow, is yeah. what I'm saying. It's really hard to have an NBA team. Like Michael Jordan just released all this information that he, you know, bought the team for, I don't know, 200 something million, 300 million or something like that, just sold it for like 3 billion or his ownership of it. So, I mean, he 10 x his money in, you know, a decade or something like that, which good for him and could be lots of ups and downs or whatever. But, I mean, that's – it's an asset. And I mean, that, that's also big luck, right? I mean, all he got – Charlotte really didn't, I think, become more valuable as a franchise. He got a hold of tailwinds of the NBA becoming more valuable as a sport. More, but yeah, it's yeah, it's massively more valuable and successful than it was in the seventies and the eighties. Like it, even the nineties, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, 
So I, I would say the last, since Steph Curry really started going off, say like 20, what, 15, 2016, NBA has become much more valuable than it was. Probably five. Well, okay. You know what else played a huge part in that? What? Social media. NBA yeah. is a lot easier to make clips. Like yeah. there's so many highlight plays, a dunk, a super deep three, a buzzer yep. beater, right? And the NFL has that, like, could be a big run or it could be a great cat and there's more attention there i will say like the nfl fills the nba in terms of viewership and stuff but growth wise the nba has benefited so much more from for social sure. media everything else yeah so so it was like yeah it was almost dumb luck for michael jordan where he didn't even have to make his franchise more valuable nobody's watching the charlotte hornets on tnt but he just got the advantage of like nba yeah, but he also was stupid like he's called out for not being the best owner on so many yeah. different levels. So that's just, that's just kind of on him. But I, I'm in firm belief and none of this is investment advice, as you guys all know, firm belief that buying ownership in a team of a NFL, NBA, major league baseball. I don't know about any of the other league can't speak to it. That's just a great call. Good job. Okay. So let's make our example of the Spurs. Are you, you want to go in on the Browns with me? <laughs> I mean, yeah, like right. they're one different could... way. They're one all-star way. Well, okay, so here's the difference, right? You can be the quote-unquote guy with NBA team money, right? But you look at the example of what's his face, Ryan Reynolds, and uh, Rob McElhinney. Rob Mac, yeah, McElhinney. I don't know how to say his name. Buying Wrexham AFC. I even know their name, right? No name. No team in England because they're famous they get a lot of eyeballs immediately on it that team they bought it for a million or less than a million and their whole documentary on Hulu I, I watched a little bit of it they're all like man it was so so hard to make this investment like it's a million dollars if your house in 10 what are you talking about um they bought the team for a million I think it's got to be worth at least 50 60 right now for sure easily the best investment they've they've ever made, and they realize that, which is why they're continuing to make tons and tons of content. Like and that in distribution, by the way. I mean, that's just where distribution is not more valuable than whatever's underneath it. And I will stand by yeah. that. You know, I really want someone in Harvard Business School or somewhere to do an entire class, or maybe just you know a section on Ryan Reynolds and him truly just violating all of us with his charm and personality and distribution with his investments leveraging everything tribute yeah he's so smart he did it really well he's like oh i got super famous making deadpool and these other kind of big hit movies um yeah making money from that but what's better is making shit on board <laughs> doing aviation gin Mint Mobile, Telecom, like all these different investments, I just put my face on it and I get a huge stake in the company and it blows up. Like that's smart. Yep. It is. So anyway, um, that's kind of all I had for the pod. There's one last thing if you had time for it. It's the guess this investment. Okay. Did I, uh, I got you to do what? Did I win? Uh, yeah, you can't win any money. Uh, I also realized doing that on Twitter did not lead to the best results. 
Uh, people can just filter so much easier than I thought using different tools. And that's great. Like I kind of wanted people to have that, but did not drive the engagement at all. I had people texting me like, Hey, is it this investment? And I'm like, buddy, respond in there. I need engagement. That's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was really mad by that. Anyway, guess this investment. Okay. Year to date. It is up 84.5%. Meta. Oh, he's already got some guesses. Okay, no. Um, from its all-time highs, it's down. Let me pull this exactly. 54.42%. Hey. Palantir. Average volume. You're wrong. Average volume. 13 billion jeez uh-huh tesla no what is up 84 percent this year it's also down 54 from all-time highs well it's got to be one of the like amazon tesla nvidia google meta uh i mean those are the only ones that are kind of up 84 percent i think it's one of those yeah well, key thing here is I keep saying the word investment. Berkshire? No, I don't know. You mean investment? I'm not saying stock. Interesting. Let's see if you can piece it together, folks. Here we go. Is there a market cap to this thing? Um, from what I can tell, just off the... So are we calling this, is it the S&P 500? Is this the SPY? No, it says so five ninety two billion in market cap. I mean, this has got to be an index, right? It's got to be like the Russell or like the NASDAQ. No. Come on. Different types of investments. Think of the ones that you really like to hate on. Bitcoin. And love. Oh, Bitcoin. Yes, sir. There it is. There it is. Yeah. You love it and hate it. And guess what? It, it gets that same treatment from everyone. But it is the the volume knocked me out. I was like 13 billion average. God. And that's when I was like, it's gotta be a big company. That's big. That's yeah. And what not even yeah, it just has to be popular. But Bitcoin, yeah, it's trading just not through the price of 30,000, which everyone was like crazy about because it was 16,000 to end the year. Uh, and it got up to 67,000 back in when it was November of 21. There you go. Why high? Why yeah. not die? So if you believe that Bitcoin will surpass its all time highs and you're bullish, you can still buy it even after an 84% run up in six months. And it'll double, more than double, if it gets back to six and seven from 30. I like that. Guess this investment. Isn't that fun? I love doing this. So I'm going to make you do it next time. But I think that's all we got, folks. Super glad we got to, you know, get your attention. Appreciate you. Oh, and also, uh, I'll mention this on the next pod. We blew up a little bit after Moron came on the podcast. So, we are now, I don't know if we're the number one or the number two podcast in the world. 
after that, but it's up there. We'll Wait, get our first confession before we sign out about Millennial Moron. Please. I haven't watched his very long video. It's like, what, seven minutes or nine minutes or something responding to the ROI guy, the real estate guy. I hadn't watched yeah. that before the pod. Did you yeah. die laughing? So funny. I love that so much. Dude, um, he's amazing. Yeah. He's sarcastic and just direct to the point blunt. What a character. You know, what a smart guy, too. I, 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 He is awesome. He's a fun dude. So yeah, he's gonna be a reoccurring guest. We're gonna get shout out, but shout out to our friend Millennial Moron. Yeah, appreciate the you know tens of millions of y'all that pushed us over Joe Rogan uh, after that episode with him, so we could be number one. So thank you guys. Continue listening. Talk to you soon. I'm the big, the bad, and the big, the big, the bad, and 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 the big, the bad